community and freight. I'm your host, Mary O'Connell, bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, and everything happening in the cold chain world. Don't not only is there the coolest show on freight, but there is running on ice, the newsletter that could not be colder. You can subscribe to that on freightwaves.com slash running on ice. Before we get into our guest interview, let's get into some headlines. Navistar announced the delivery of the first international EMV series with ePower to Cisco. The ePower option pulls power directly from the electric vehicle's battery pack and is the foundation for electric transport refrigeration unit applications. The ETRU is called an especially important solution to help customers meet sustainability goals and regulatory requirements. Looking ahead, the company's plan to partner to accelerate sustainability efforts in the Class 6 all-electric refrigerated straight truck segment. Cypress Cold Storage, a provider of temperature-controlled warehouse space and value-added services for the food sector, broke ground on a new 207,285 square foot cold storage facility in Springdale, Arkansas. This will offer offer customers a flexible storage solution. The state-of-the-art facility will include more than 170,000 square feet of temperature-controlled space, including a blast freezer and multiple convertible freezers capable of accommodating for a range of temperature requirements from negative 5 degrees to 28 degrees Fahrenheit. The freezer space will have a clear height of 34 inch or 34 feet and 6 inches and will include a max density racking for allowing for more than 22,000 pallet positions. Parker Farms, based in Colonial Beach, Virginia, is increasing their packing house and cold storage by 25%. The family-run business is taking the popular Field of Dreams approach of if you build it, they will come. This extra room in the facility will allow for the creation of new value-added packs such as shrink wrapping, shrink wrapping of produce product, as well as value-added options to go along with its line, full line of bulk presentations. The company also has farm and grower partners in North Carolina, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and New York, which gives it a steady flow of product from April through the end of the summer. In the fall, they'll be right back in Georgia for fall production, but with their new twist and their ability to package goods however the customers want. Today, we are joined by Mitch Mazzaro, Director of Temperature Control Solutions at Arrive Logistics. Welcome back to the show, Mitch. Yeah, thank you for having me again. I am kind of excited about this one because we had talked about it on our previous show and the 100 days of summer are coming up. And as some of us know, it is it is time for produce to start moving and it gets it gets real popping real quick. Um, so I guess when, that, when, the, when we make that switch into summer, which, you know, typically happens around Memorial Day, what kind of demand changes usually come? Then what are some of those big challenges that come with, you know, your maybe some markets are already a little tight, but then you have harvest season and some of that produce season where your trucks like have to be there or you're just not going to have those opportunities. What kind of extra challenges come with that? Yeah, I mean, in this market, we're definitely ready for the influx of loads that come in and, and help keep our drivers running. Um, We've been in a deflationary market now for some time. And even though we're going to have this influx of produce and things are going to start harvesting, we think it's going to be very isolated to the growing region. So a hundred days of summer is basically like our push. It's Memorial Day to Labor Day. Commodities are shipping at their respected times, harvested and the capacity and the reefer capacity especially, but it's also affects the dry capacity and other modes of transportation is going to increase. Um, 
So we've been prepping our teams. We've been talking with shippers. Uh, we've been trying to get a gauge on, you know, what yields are looking like, how harvest is looking, volumes, which retailers we're going to be delivering to and everything. And so we're trying to start to position our trucks so that we can execute on produce season. I like it. It's, uh, it's, I feel like this year has been kind of like a, a nice change because it is a deflationary market and, you know, there's not a lot of volumes happening. Um, so I feel like it's kind of a different produce season, whereas other times might be more of the, um, okay, we have to shuffle some stuff over here to then free up these trucks over here. But this time it's like, everyone's like, oh, wait, it doesn't have to be that insane. Um, now, that being said, I would love for the regular drive-in volume and all the other volumes to come back so drivers can like run and you now we can have a little bit more going on. But that being said, for the impending summer crunch, it is nice to know that there's a little bit of wiggle room in the in the overall transportation market. Yeah, and I think even you know, for shippers who are chipping produce necessarily, the reefer market and the produce market still influences what's happening in a drive-in. So even in some areas where we're starting to see some produce loads ship, we are also starting to see those drive-in rates creep up as well. Um, so the for anyone that's a little unfamiliar with agriculture, we usually start like at the very most part of the southern to harvest and then go up north. So we probably won't even have harvest season in Iowa till like the very, very end of the summer. But for those shippers specifically, maybe in the southern part where, you know, their harvest season is going to come up sooner rather than later. Um, what are some of those preparations they can make now to kind of ensure, especially if they're in a more rural ag, ag market, what are some of those extra preparations they can do to make sure that they're ready for that increased uh, demand. Yeah, we're already starting to see, um, to your point, so like Florida and Georgia, we've already started to see increased rates week over week as produce season starts to pick up. Same in California. So we're already starting to work our way up um, on the East Coast. You go from Florida, Georgia, through the Carolinas, even into the Midwest. Uh, California, you work your way up, and then you end up in the packed Northwest by fall. So it's exactly right. It follows the weather pattern, works its way all the way up, and then it works its way back down. Um, so we're already starting to see the increases week over week in some freight rates, um, refrigerated and drive-in. Some things that I know carriers can start to prep for, and this is kind of like a maybe a different conversation, but when the market was tighter and the deflationary market wasn't happening, drivers necessarily didn't have to position themselves as much as they're going to have to, I feel like, this summer. So if you're in Los Angeles and you want to pick up a produce load in Bakersfield, you might have to already position yourself and incur your costs into those produce regions rather than wait for the call, wait for the assignment, and then go. You might have to be a little more strategic on where you're placing your trucks so that you can maximize those isolated harvesting areas, right? So if you're competing in a Los Angeles market with everything, you know, it might be best for you to position yourself somewhere else to maximize those rates. I think that brings up a really good point because most carriers are looking for those profitable markets and are looking for the ways to maybe earn a little bit more. And I think just maybe taking a step out of those very traditional high high value high volume markets like your Atlanta's, your Dallas's, your Houston's, your LA's, um, taking a step out of those maybe and jumping on that produce train might be something different 
Um, it is usually a little harder to get involved with it, but not if you use the right broker or you know the right shipper. And I think it's definitely something that people can start doing now because they've got a couple, they've got a week or two to kind of get there or at least get a load that will get them 9% of the way there. So you can kind of do some finagling where you drop the stuff off and then you kind of end up at the desired or near the desired destination. So I think that's a really smart approach. Um, I guess, is there anything that like a good shipper should be doing that is in that market other than just, you know, I mean, it's not like we're really that crunched for uh, capacity. So I guess, is there anything other than knowing that rates might go up a little bit for a couple of weeks if they were to lean heavily on the spot market? I think they're, I mean, if anybody's been in the industry long enough, they're expecting freight rates increase, right? So how much they're going to increase, that's a different conversation. But I think from a shipper standpoint, um, and also to piggyback sort of what you just said, reefer carriers, just because you have a reefer unit doesn't mean that you're a produce carrier. There are so many caveats that go into hauling produce that you would otherwise probably not pay attention to if you're just shipping, you know, any other refrigerated item. So I think shippers really need to protect themselves, right? Asking the right questions with the carriers that they're partnering with, making sure um, that people understand the expectations of their specific commodity and even their their delivery destination. They're going to be under very strict guidelines on how they need to deliver this freight. And nobody likes rejections. Nobody likes claim. So having those conversations up front, like, hey, these are my expectations. Are you the best carrier that I can hire right now for this job? And if the answer is no, then it should be, you know, they should be looking elsewhere, right? So that comes in with our training. We want to make sure that our reps are fully versed in what they're doing, that they're not just going and picking up a load of lettuce because they found a customer that is shipping that, right? It's like, well, what are you getting into with? What are your, what should you expect? Where are some of the downfalls that you need to be aware of and how you can you protect yourself, the customer and the carrier during those moments? So I think shippers are getting to have that upper hand again, like they, like pre-COVID and election on who they're choosing to partner with is going to be super important this summer. Oh, I think that's 100% accurate. The shippers are holding a majority of that pricing power right now. So it's in a lot of the, they're basically, they're holding 90% of the power. They have the loads and they can kind of more or less determine the price. Um, and I think that that's something that, you know, we all need to keep in mind as we move forward that you don't really want to take a, take advantage of any carriers that you've had a long relationship with um, because carriers aren't exactly running at the most profitable rates at the moment. So I guess when that, so we kind of mentioned that it goes from the south up to the north and back. Um, I guess how do you, you, you've been doing this a while, so you're kind of an expert in it. Um, how do you know when it's time, like when it's more likely going to be like harvest time? Do you look up in the sky and see a smoke signal? Um, do you wait for four rainy days? <laughs> do you wait for four rainy days in a row? Or do you just wait for Farmer John to give you a call and say it's go time? Unfortunately, it's usually that call saying it's go time. Uh, we have a pretty good estimate of when um, different seasons and different commodities are going to start to kick off, but it's never like it's starting on Ritz Monday. I wish it was that easy, but that's not how Mother Nature operates. So we usually have a good gauge of like, okay, you know, Salinas, you're starting to pick up. They actually started shipping maybe two weeks ago. 
So they're not fully ramped up. They're winding down in Yuma. So we know that the transitionings are happening. Um, so we usually try to get ahead of those conversations maybe a month in advance. So we know the DC alignments, who they're delivering to, what contracts they've been awarded, um, maybe anticipated volumes. Um, and we can start to have that conversation around like, okay, like now it's go time. So that when we get that phone call, we already know what to expect. We know where we're going, commodity, and everything's been been set out. I like that it's as much preparation that you can do before you actually send a truck in. And you just kind of like, you kind of get everything and then you just hurry up and wait. And then um, when it comes time to, you know, uh, actually like hitting the go button, you're just like, you're like, I have everything in place. Just say go. And then all of a sudden it just goes and it's like a nice well-oiled machine in a perfect world. But in this world, it's perfect world and it runs like a well-oiled machine. Um, I guess, uh, I mean, you do kind of have data and you kind of have like smoke signals and data when it's, when certain things start and markers start to increase. That's kind of like a smoke signal, but it's not as nice as like just look up to the sky and there's like a plane that writes like go. <laughs> yeah, it's not that easy. Um, so I guess what are some of the most common mistakes that happen with shipping produce when, um, it's like, how do you kind of, you kind of touched on a little bit where knowing your receiver and your, um, your shipper, what are some of those other common mistakes that are made when you're trying to ship produce? There's a lot of people that are involved just in the life of a load, right? So we can only lean on our drivers for the aspects that they can control. So we can't expect them to be full QC managers on every commodity that they could possibly pick up, right? But what they can look for is, do we have damaged cases? Do we have the right number of cases? Are the cases wet? Are they at the right temperature, right? So like most carriers, when we're talking to drivers, um, reiterating to them like, hey, please pulp the product, right? Which is a term very commonly used in the produce world. But when you're actually speaking to drivers, it sometimes goes over their head and you're like, wait a second, that's the reefer carrier versus a produce carrier conversation we were having where it's like, yes, if you're supposed to be shipping lettuce at 34 degrees, it should already be cooled and chilled to 34 degrees before going on your chilled and cooled trailer at 34 degrees. Everything should be the same. So trying to prevent issues from happening is super important. Like explaining to the driver, let's count the cases, let's pulp the product. And then the third thing would be running your reefer on continuous. It seems like, you know, produce 101, but if you don't actually go and change the setting to, to continuous, it's not going to happen. And so we try to mitigate those claims where the driver's like, I ran it at 34 degrees. It's like, well, you ran it at 34 degrees on start stop. So it runs like your air conditioning at home where it it creeps up and blast cold air creeps up again, blast cold air. It's like, no, we want 34 degrees in that, but in the back of the trailer the entire time. So I think those three factors, um, just playing into the responsibilities that we can have as a broker and as a carrier, the quality of the product or any issues that, you know, might be with harvesting or any that is on our shipper, right? Like those are the people that we're choosing to partner with. We want to make sure that um, they're doing everything that they can. And so by the time we get to possession of the product, we want to make sure that it's good to go because 
if it was a problem when it was loaded, it's definitely going to be a problem when it's unloaded. <laughs> I guess, how do you like start to train those drivers to know like, hey, if you start seeing damaged cardboard, like damaged boxes or any of these key indicators that will become a problem on delivery, like immediately stop and call and like do that. Like how do you kind of start coaching and encouraging those drivers to pick up the phone instead of just say, we'll load it and we'll see what happens? Because I've had a lot of those myself where something gets loaded and the driver's like, oh yeah, it was like that when I picked it up. And I'm like, well, why didn't you stop and call me? We could have stopped it then or notated it. And he's like, I just wrote it down on the VOL and just said it's fine. And I'm like, cool. Exactly. So to have those conversations, we have a lot of those conversations. Whenever we're dispatching drivers, this is what we're running through. And it's like, hey, I know this might sound repetitive. You've done a lot of loads for us, but just please make sure and we run through the specifics of what that customer wants for those loads, right? Might be the same, might be slightly different, but we just want to make sure that it's like popping back fresh in their mind. Like, oh yeah, I got you. Like, I'll make sure I do that. Um, you mentioned just one thing that we're going to see now this summer is during COVID, most drivers weren't allowed on docks. They weren't allowed at facilities. They weren't allowed to observe the product being loaded. We don't foresee that being a problem um, this summer now. We've kind of moved past, we've moved past that. Drivers are going to be able to inspect product. I mean, every facility is going to be slightly different. So this isn't just like a, a blanket response, but we're anticipating that we can start to push back a little bit now when we are at the shipper and be like, hey, these cases are damaged, this pallet is broken, can I have airbags? And you're like having those conversations while still on site. Um, but the biggest thing that we tell the driver, just like you mentioned, notating on the bill of lading, like if the shipper loaded and counted this product, you should write shipper load and count on the bill of lading, right? like, and have them sign it. So we definitely have those conversations with our drivers. The other thing to, to mention is that you know when we're harvesting and the product is coming in from the fields it could be 100 degrees outside and so that's why pulping the product is super important because if the product was harvested at 100 degrees it's going to take a few hours to chill that down right like they can't just freeze blast it so it's going to take a few hours to make sure it comes down um which could play into loading times and and all that but um making sure that the product is chilled clean ready to go are the conversations that we want to make sure we're having with every driver before they go pick up any load. I think that's really important to just re even though, you know, you might have a, a 10, 20 year veteran that's going in and does produce all day, every day. And it's so important to kind of remember like, hey, if you see something, call us. If anything is weird or, you know, if the shipper loaded it, just please notate it. And some of those little, those little extra steps that and, and end up protecting everyone involved in the shipment because you never know when something's going to go wrong or, the guy on the dock's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, this has been sitting here for like four hours. You don't need to, you don't need to take the temperature of it. You don't need to touch it. You don't need to know anything. Just, just trust us. It's fine. It's already been chilled. It's already been chilled. Yeah. It's just like a walking red flag. <laughs> exactly. You're like, mm, this doesn't sound right. Have a standard gut check. <laughs> exactly. So I guess along the same lines, you know, it's, um, it's transportation. It's logistics. It's not. Uh, it's not always foolproof as much as we want it to be. So I guess what are some of those um, kind of how do you guys handle some of those problems that arise? Like, you know, whether your reefer unit breaks down mid transport or you're stuck on the side of the road with a busted up tire. Like, how do you guys handle some of those occurrences like those just common everyday truck breaks down, 
you got a flat tire, stuck in traffic. Um, how do you guys handle those? And then still also maintain that freshness and that quality of the produce on board. Yeah. And especially when you're delivering to some of these large retailers, they want it on the day that they schedule that load. So it is logistics. Drivers get sick, trucks break down, uh, reefer units break down. It happens. Um, the best thing that we can do as a broker is just to help all parties mitigate, right? It's can we transload this? You know, like, do we have approval to break the seal, get in the back of the trailer, put it into a different truck um, so that we can hit delivery on time? Um, there are some things that we can try to do to mitigate those losses. Being in the industry since 2009 and pretty much strictly only hauling produce great, I would like to say that I've seen every situation. And then you walk in next week and you're like, well, this is a new one. And you're like, man, it works for this. <laughs> um, so I think having that mentality of like, okay, how do we get through this? How do we get past this? And not just have the driver call in and be like, I'm broken down. And you're like, cool, good luck. Call me back when you're ready. You know, it's like, how can we help? Like, where's the closest shop? Who can I call to get over there? Do I need to translate it? Can I repower it? You know, it's like going those extra steps to help drivers was super important. And you can actually find that you can, you can, you can mitigate some of those losses. Um, if there's a rejection at the receiver, how do we get it salvaged? How can we save some of these cases? Um, so that it's not all just a complete waste. Like that's everything that, uh, our team is doing. We're working closely with our claims team. Uh, we have an in-house claims council that helps us mitigate those losses as well. I like it. It's kind of that, um, the, 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 just that proper, just loss mitigation of it, of what can we do? And I think that point of what can you do to help the driver and really like help them take that extra step is absolutely crucial because that's how you develop a strong relationship with that driver. That's how you can rely on them and lean on them later on in other situations. When you're in a bind, you can say, Hey man, can you really help me out? Like it'd be a huge help. They're like, yeah, I got you. No problem. I think that that is something that's really commonly overlooked in all of the supply chain and logistics. Like just like that extra, it's like, it's literally just like five extra minutes of time and that you've made that driver's day. You've done a whole bunch to help them. And I think that's something that's very commonly overlooked. And I will continue to shout it from the rooftops that just take an extra five minutes and see if you can help your driver a little bit. We're all human, right? Exactly. <laughs> um so there is, uh, we already know how you stand on cereal as soup. And we've asked this question to one of your former coworkers over on Jet Call. So it is your turn now. If you could only eat one color of food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Um, I think I would go green. I think you have most variety when it comes to green. Um, not that I eat a lot of greens because I'm not that healthy but i track me and so if i have to do it i might as well force myself to eat healthy <laughs> i think i would choose green i like it that's a very healthy approach that's the color that i kind of chose because i was like oh it's a salad you can put a bunch of stuff on a salad and i i just i also truly like salad but i think green's a good approach um because like also if you make a smoothie you can put fruit in there and then dump spinach in and it's green so <laughs> there you go you can sneak in other stuff. Yeah, it's I like just that. Colored green again. Um, if anyone wants to reach out about some produce, about your um, about your food choices, or anything else that kind of comes with harvest season, where can they find you outside the show? 
Yeah, um, LinkedIn, or you can send me an email. You can just send it to our, our general email address and they'll forward it over to me. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. Thank you. Appreciate it. You can catch other episodes of Running on Ice right here on Freightwaves TV or YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And more Running on Ice news? Now what? Subscribe to the newsletter on freightwaves.com slash running on ice. See you on the internet. Yeah.